0: Hey Siri, Luke chapter 9, for those of you guys who are new and uh, need to know how we do the Bible here, we basically do the Bible by going verse at a time all the way through a book of the Bible and preaching on every verse exegetically. That way we make sure that we cover all the verses in each book of the Bible. Why do we do that? There's a number of reasons. One, it's so that you can come away after we complete a book having a full understanding of what happened in that book or what it was about. Two, we do that so we don't skip any of the hard stuff. Raise your hand if you know there's hard verses in the Bible. So pastors and teachers, sometimes we just pick our favorites and we skip stuff and um, this forces us to deal with the Word of God as it is and deal straightforward with it so that's one of the reasons that we do it so we are in Luke chapter 9 verse 10 through 17 I'm gonna read it with us 10 through 17 Luke chapter 9 verses 10 through 17 says and when the apostles returned they gave an account to him all of what they had done. And taking them with him, he withdrew privately to a city called Bethesda. Bethsaida, sorry. But the multitudes were aware of this and followed him, and welcoming them, he began speaking to them about the kingdom of God and curing those who had need of healing. Verse 12, And the day began to decline, and the twelve came to him and said to him, Send the multitude away that they may go into the surrounding villages and countryside and find lodging and get something to eat. For here we are in a desolate place. But he said to them, you give them something to eat. And they said, we have no more than five loaves and two fish unless perhaps we go and buy food for all these people. For there was about 5,000 men. And he said to his disciples, have them recline to eat. In groups of about fifty each. And they did so and had them all recline. And he took the five loaves and the two fish, and looking up to heaven, he blessed them and broke them and kept giving to them to the disciples to set before the multitude. And they all ate and were satisfied, and that which was left over to them of broken pieces was picked up twelve baskets in full. Let's pray. God, thank you for your written word that we can read about Jesus and the beautiful things that he did and the way that he cared for people and taught his disciples and loved on people. We thank you for what that says to us and what that teaches us. Thank you for preserving the word. God, I pray that you will make Bibles available to all those in distant countries where it's illegal to have one or maybe there's not a Bible in their language. I just pray, Lord, that you'll send out those workers to do that fine work. God, I pray for us this morning that you'll help us not only to understand what's going on here, but also to learn from it, to remember it, and also to do it, what we're commanded to do. I pray this in Jesus' name, amen. Amen. All right. There's a lot of things that Jesus calls us to do, or the Bible talks about, that are the opposite of what we normally do. Do you guys recognize that? Raise your hand if you know what I'm talking about. The Bible calls us to do, God wants us to do the opposite of what you would normally do. And it's really hard. <laughs> Can I give you guys some examples? So, have you ever been attacked by somebody? Or insulted? Someone insults you? I like that. It's like when, when someone assaults you in Italian, they do that. Someone insulted you? Someone, I have Italian blood, so I can say this. Has someone ins, ins, insulted you? What do you do when someone insults you? I know what I do. I insult them back, and I make sure my insult is way greater than their insult. And the way they learn a lesson about insulting me. That's what I do naturally. Or if someone tries to hit me in the face, you know what I do? You ever seen The Matrix? And then I tr- karate chop. That's what we do in our flesh naturally. Now, if someone tried to hit you and you dodge it and you hit him back, is anyone going to blame you? Is anyone going to blame you and say, oh, you did the wrong thing? No. Of course not. Now they'd say, oh, that was the right thing to do. You beat them up. Good job. That's what the world says. But guess what? Jesus actually calls us to do the exact opposite. He calls us to do things that doesn't make sense. He says when someone slaps your face, they insult you, hit you on that cheek. What is he called to do? Not in like a vindictive way, like, oh, that didn't hurt. Do it again. Like little kids do. No. (laughs) I should have pulled that clip up for this. No. He calls us to do the opposite. He calls us to absorb that insult and not come with another insult. God calls for us to have humility over pride. You know what that means? To have humility over pride? That means that Instead of coming here to a service and sitting in a crown, you know, on a throne and trying to make yourself the most beautiful spectacle, what God has called us to do is come here and be humble. Literally, the Bible says if you go into a meeting, this is in James, and there's a seat of honor, let's say that, you know, this is the seat of honor. It says, don't put yourself in that seat of honor. It said, go to the back and sit on the floor. Like, guys. Not making this up. This is literally what, oh, there goes Marshall. I was just joking, Marshall. No, I wasn't joking. That's what scripture says. He's not doing that. But it's an act of humility, and then God will promote you. It's the opposite of what you think will happen. The Bible tells us to do do confession and to be truthful and 100% honest instead of do what? Be secretive. How many of you guys have done something really bad in your life? Go ahead, raise them up high. Okay. You know what God wants us to do? He wants us to confess that. Why? Because if you're forgiven, that's part of your past. Now we're open and sincere. There should be no secrets. Because that's your testimony now. Now we're open and sincere. That's what God calls us to do. Not to be in secrecy, but to be open and confession. We're called to rely on God instead of relying on ourself. How hard is that? That's hard. That's really hard because, tell you what, I like to control things. I like to make things perfect. But guess what? That's not what God called us to do. God called us to receive a gift of salvation that Jesus did instead of trying to save ourselves. Have you ever tried to save yourself from your sins? Have you ever tried to be so good that God would love you so much you'd go to heaven because you're so good? Not going to happen, folks. You're never going to be that good. You can't be that good. So God sent Jesus to save us as a free gift. Whoa, all you got to do is receive it. Does that blow your mind? It should. God calls us to serve others instead of serve ourselves. That's one that our culture really hates. The United States, we are not good at serving other people, but we're really good at serving ourselves and getting other people to serve us. Am I right? think, you know... <laughs> I think of this one example. I used to go to this church, this Pentecostal church. I love these guys. Back when probably 2000, okay, and uh, there was a guy, and I'm friends with this guy. I love this guy. We went to a restaurant after church to eat lunch, and like the person didn't put guacamole on his burrito, and he was so mad. He was gonna fight this person. He's like, "They ruined my lunch because they didn't put guacamole on." I mean, he was going nuts. And he wanted that person to come out and personally put the guacamole. (laughs) Oh, Lord, help us. And I'm sitting there like, dang, dude, you're going to lose your faith over a spoon of guacamole. You're going to go bad on someone and lose your faith for a spoon of guacamole. Now, look, I love guacamole as much as the next guy. But God calls us to do the opposite of Forcing people to serve us. He calls us to serve other people. That's what he calls us to do. That's what we're going to talk about in this sermon. The title of the sermon, I made a title this week. It's called Serving and God's Will. Because what I want you guys to understand by the end of this talk and the end of understanding the sermon is this. God's will has a lot to do with you guys and me serving others. Amen? Has a lot to do with us serving other people. Has a lot to do with us doing good to other people. And God uses our service to do a lot of things, including miracles and beautiful things. So, let's see if we can get to that point. Let's uh, go ahead and look at verse 10, if you guys will. It says, When the apostles returned, they gave an account to him of all that they had done. Taking them with him, he withdrew by himself to a city called Bethsaida. So Jesus had just commissioned the disciples to do some work, to do some Christian work. They were casting out demons, they were healing people, they were preaching the kingdom of God. Then they came back, and they were pretty tired, and so was Jesus. The book of Mark actually says that it was because the disciples were tired. Think about this, the disciples were tired. Usually Jesus goes out by himself to pray. You guys read that, right? But in this case, it was the disciples that were tired, And Jesus says, okay, you guys are tired. Let's go to the other side of the lake and get some rest. So he takes them to go to the other side of the lake. Now that's important because in verse 11 it says, But the crowds were aware of this and followed him. And welcoming them, he began speaking to them about the kingdom of God and curing those who were in need of healing. Now the day was ending and the twelve came to him and said, Send the crowd away that they can go into the surrounding villages in the countryside and find lodging and get something to eat. Because we are here in this desolate place. Now, they didn't get much rest, unfortunately. Because there's not a lot of rest when you do ministry. The disciples actually didn't get rest. But at the end of the day, while Jesus was doing his thing, they said to him, send the people away. Because there's like 5,000, probably up to 10,000 people here. And there's, this is the woods, Jesus. You're in the woods again. And there's no food. No food. Were the disciples wrong in doing that? People eat, right? Is it wrong to eat? No, it's good to eat. God made food. He made us to eat food. So the disciples weren't wrong. There wasn't really anything wrong with what they said. That was a natural thing to do. They were using normal logic, which we should be doing, by the way. Go to verse 13. But he said to them, you give them something to eat. And they said... We have no more than five loaves and two fish unless perhaps we go buy food for all these people. Another account says a young boy came with five loaves and two fish and donated them to Jesus. That's so sweet. It's like, here, I got, (laughs) can you imagine this little kid? It's 5,000 people. He hears the disciples arguing about feeding. How are we going to feed all these people? And this little kid's like, I have five loaves and two fish. And they're like, oh, sweet little kid. Well, this is enough for maybe Jesus and one of the disciples. But that's not enough. I want to point something out that the book of John says. Let's scoot forward here. Is it working? Maybe it's like a Nintendo cartridge. All right, you got to do it for me, Ricky. See, the laser works. There we go. Luke 9, 13. You give them something to eat. Look at what John says. By the way, this event is recorded on all four of the Gospels. There's not a lot of miracles and events that are in all four of the Gospels, but this one was so big that it was even recorded by John. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John all have this event taking place. So, in John it gives us the extra detail. It says he was saying to test him. I think he's talking to Philip here. He was saying this to test him, for he himself knew what he was intending to do. John was Jesus' best friend, one of them. And so John kind of knew what was going on in Jesus' head. Jesus already set this up to test them. So he said, why don't you give them something to eat? And that probably blew their mind. So they're, you know, I guess we'll get there. So Jesus knew what he was about to do. He's just testing the disciples. And this brings up the first thing I want to talk about which is this. When you face a pickle, that's what I wrote down, when you face a pickle or a tough situation, God's plan is actually already moving forward. And a lot of times it's just a test. I'm going to say that again. When you guys are in a hard circumstance that doesn't seem like it can logically work, God is actually already on top of that. Do you guys know that God's smarter than you? Some gods aren't smarter than people. I don't know if you guys know that. If you guys look at, like, the Roman gods, they weren't smart. They were kind of messed up. They would do crazy stuff. Or the Hindu gods, those gods aren't very smart either. I mean, the one girl's son's head came off, and she put an elephant head on him. Oh, that's not what I would do. But whatever. Whatever. But the actual God, the real God, is actually incredibly intelligent. And God actually has a plan for all of us. And he has already seen and already knows everything that's going to happen. He created the heavens and the earth. So God actually already knows. If you're thinking about that and you know that God's in control, he's on the throne, he has a plan, what does that do for your circumstance, do you think? What does that make your circumstance look like? To you, it could still be pretty tough, right? Right? If I told you... Enrique, go feed 5,000 people. How would you feel? You would get a big bowl of chili, right? (laughs) What would you do? What would you do? The people are going to starve. But God already had something in mind that he was going to do. Here's what I want you guys to do. Follow me on this logic. Think about all the times that you've been caught up in a really hard situation in your past. Raise your hand if you've been caught up in a really hard situation before. Go back in your head. Think about all those situations that you've been caught up in. Think about them. Tough stuff that you knew you couldn't do. Are you still alive? Are you still here with us? Are you? Did God somehow bring you through that situation? Does he have a track record on bringing you through that situation, yes or no? Good. Think about those hardships. This is a natural thing that's occurring. The disciples are thinking in the natural. They say, We only have five loaves and two fish. They're doing the math. Math is not bad. It's not my favorite subject in the world. It's my wife's, but not mine. Math's not bad. It's Marshall's favorite subject. Am I right? There you go. It's not my favorite subject. However, it's just pure logic. They're like, This isn't enough to feed this many people. Were they wrong? No, they were right. But they were just thinking like we think. When we have a bad situation, we think just in the natural and in the flesh. Like, how are we going to do that? How is it going to take place? I don't know what to do. And if you have a control issue, you're going to think through every possible scenario and every possible situation to how it can work out. And if it's really bad, you're not going to be able to figure out a way that it's going to work out. And you're going to be tempted to quit. Or at least freak out. Or, if you're a dirty, rotten sinner like me, you think about your escape. What are you going to do to escape? You know what I'm going to do? I'm going to veg out and I'm going to play video games for two weeks straight. No one's even going to find me. I, I would totally do that if I could afford video games. Thank God I can't. My wife would not be happy. What do you do when the situation is out of control? We only have a few loaves and a few fish. What are we going to do? I don't have money. I've been struggling with this so long. I can't see a way out of this situation that I'm struggling with. The relationship is too broken. I'm not going to be able to fix this relationship. It's too much going on. I just don't have the money to do what I feel like I'm supposed to do. This person is too far gone from God. This person is too far gone. I can't do anything about it. I'm not even going to try. Those are those situations that are super tough. Super tough. And we start thinking naturally. Let's go to verse 14. It says, and he said to his disciples, there's about 5,000 of them, other people. But he said to the disciples, have them sit down in groups of about 50 each. And they did so. And he had them all sit down. Now, there's a key here that I want you guys to understand. What's the first thing that happened? He said. So, first thing that we need to understand is that you need to know what God says. You know what you say, right? What do you say? It's impossible, it's not going to work, blah, blah, blah. I know because I do the same thing. But what does God say about your circumstance? What's His will? When someone is lost, what's God's will? Have you guys ever read the verse that says, God desires that nobody perish, but that all come to repentance? Raise your hand if you read that verse. I was just online, man. I love, I love all Christians, but some of them are confused. And there's this group of guys, they post these memes, where are like, God hates people. <laughs> It doesn't make any sense. Anyway, so I'm always challenging. I'm like, God hates people. He would just send us all to hell. Why would he send Jesus to save us? It doesn't make a lot of sense. God hates people. You have to know what the Word of God actually says, guys. And let me tell you something. Don't open up a doctrine book if you want to know what God says. Unless you're opening up the Bible. You don't got to go to a seminary Not that seminary is bad or doctrine books are bad. I got them myself. But what does God use to speak to us? His word or his Holy Spirit or both, usually. So what do we do when we're in a tough circumstance? you got to hear from God, right? Am I right? Go into your closet, take your Bible, bring a flashlight or a headlamp. Those are cool, too. Get in your Bible and start seeing what's God say about this. This is a hard situation. This is a tough thing I'm going through. I don't know if I'm going to survive or make it all the way through. What do I do? (coughs) You're not going to know what to do unless you know what God says about that circumstance. That's why it's important to get in the Word. And here's what I want you to do. Here's what I want you to do. This is what I'm telling you to do. Whatever Jesus says, do it. (laughs) Somehow it works. Don't ask me. But do what Jesus said to do. One time I was in Brazil, and I was walking through downtown Brazil, uh, Sao Paulo, at this place called Se. It's in the center of the city. It's a big Catholic church. And it's this big, well, basically Sao Paulo is just a whole bunch of concrete. But it's this big, open, concrete space. And all of these people get there, and they start debating with each other. And religious leaders get there and they start like, arguing with each other. You got Muslims and Jehovah's Witnesses and Christians, Mormons, and they're all debating each other. And they'll take pieces of chalk and they'll make a big square with the chalk. And they'll stand in the square, and you're not supposed to go inside the square. I, I made probably for safety reasons. And one day, I was walking through the middle of the city with my friends, and there's these two Christians in a debate, and they were fighting. And they were mad. And the one guy was like, said that you had to obey the law of Moses to be a Christian. And the other guy said that you're saved by grace and you don't have to obey the law of Moses. And they were debating each other. And um, they asked me, I don't know why they picked me out. They're like, hey, you had like a mohawk or something. <laughs> like, what do you think? I'm like, I go with what the Bible says, that Jesus died for our sins. And the other guy was like, in your face, you know, he's like, I told you. And it was like, like I was some kind of expert. I was like 20, you know, (laughs) no, I was not an expert, but that's what the Bible says. Later on, another guy came up to us and he says, how do I know what to do? These guys say this, this guy say this, which guy should I follow? Which guy should I believe? And you know what I said? You need to follow Jesus, bro. You need to get a Bible and follow Jesus. Don't worry about what he says. Don't worry about what he says. Get a Bible. Then you're going to know which one of them's right. You have to know God's word if you're going to progress. And what Jesus says, that's what we do. But here lies the key. Jesus spoke to disciples and they listened. What did they do? He had them sit down to eat. He said to the disciples, have them sit down to eat in groups of about 50 each. Think about how preposterous this is. Guys, think about how nuts this is. Seriously. 5,000 people. He's got 12 disciples. There's no food. Guys, there's no food. And he says, and he's like, Jesus is like, give him something to eat. And they're like, okay, what, Jesus? And he's like, just make them sit down. Can you imagine being one of the, the disciples walking around and being like, look, Jesus just says to sit down in a group of 50. And the people are like, oh, okay. He told the disciples to do that. Jesus didn't tell the crowd to sit in groups of 50. He said, disciples, go tell the people to do it. What did the disciples do? Does it say that they argued with them? If somebody was going to argue with them, it would have been Peter. But it doesn't say that Peter was tripping out. It says that they went and they did that. What would happen if the disciples said no? Like, no, Jesus, you're too crazy this time. You've gone overboard, Jesus. We need to calm you down. Can you imagine? (laughs) What if Noah said to God, I'm not building a giant boat. You you realize it didn't rain before. And God's like, there's going to be water coming out of the sky. You need to build a giant boat. Okay, God. They thought that Noah was insane. Did he build the boat? Did it make sense? Not really. He just trusted and had faith in what God said to do. He didn't know if it was going to work or not, except for his faith in God. Here's my favorite. Oh, the Egyptian army is going to kill you and all of your people? Here's what you should do. Walk right into the ocean. You have a few million people, just march them right into the ocean. Okay, oh, God. Moses is probably like, God... I saw you do some miracles, but this is insane. But did he do it? What would have happened if Moses said no? Or Noah? They would all die. Joshua at Jericho. Walk around this thing a whole bunch of times. And then scream. <laughs> That's my favorite thing to do. No, that doesn't make any sense, but he did it. Elijah at Mount Carmel. You guys read that story? The prophets of Baal, Elijah at Mount Carmel. God's going to send fire from the sky and destroy this whole sacrifice. Does that sound crazy? If someone walked up to you and said that, does that sound crazy? It doesn't. I read the Bible too much. That sounds normal to me now. But notice that Jesus did not tell the crowds directly, but he had his disciples take the orders. And what did they do? They obeyed. Miracles happen when we follow and obey Jesus' lead. I'm going to say that again. Miracles happen When we follow and obey Jesus' lead. This is cool. The disciples had miracles happen in their lives, but he was going to use them to do a miracle. But what had to take place first? They had to hear his instruction, and they had to obey it, even though it didn't make any sense at the time. That doesn't sound wise, to make these people sit down for no reason. (laughs) He didn't tell them what he was going to do. He said, go make them sit down. Okay, Jesus, whatever you say. But Jesus didn't tell the crowds. He told the disciples to do it. The disciples of Jesus, when you know God's word and you act on his words, you will take part in God's will. Let me say it again. Listen, guys. If you know God's word and you act on God's word, you will take part in the will of God and the will of God for other people. The will of God for other people. Raf told me earlier before I even came up here. Was this at your work? This lady came up to you. He's just work, he's roasting coffee. If you guys ever roasted coffee? It doesn't smell great, you get used to it. Then you start liking it. Do you like it yet? You start liking it after a while. It smells gross at first. They're roasting coffee, and this woman shows up to him. This African American woman. How old was she? Let's just say she wasn't in Raf's demographic. Okay. They weren't going to go out on a date. She has no reason to approach him. She comes up to him, and she says, I just feel like God, you know, brought me here to tell you that you um, need to start listening to the Holy Spirit. And you probably needed that, didn't you? She didn't know he was a Christian. She knows You were a Christian before that? She, uh, she, like, asked me a couple questions. But that day, though, she didn't come in like, yeah. Okay. She came and got a cup of cream from him. I bet that's, that's probably something prophetic there. You'd have to figure that out. So the cream represents God's favor. I have nothing. I don't know. This woman heard something from God apparently and came up and talked to Raf. And she was involved in doing God's will in Raf's life and encouraging him. That had to be sounding crazy. If she really heard from the Lord to go do that, I would be. I don't get embarrassed very much, but I'd be like, I don't know that person. God, but she listened and obeyed what the Holy Spirit told her and encouraged wrath. What you'll notice is that Jesus told the disciples to go do his will, and they got to take part in this miracle. Let's look at verse um, 16. Then he took the five loaves and the two fish, and looking to heaven, he blessed them, broke them. And kept giving them to the disciples to set before the people. And they all ate and were satisfied. And the broken pieces, which they had left over, were picked up. Twelve baskets full. Who did the miracle? Who did the miracle? It was Jesus, right? But the disciples delivered the miracle. Did you pick that up? And it didn't make sense to them at first. Why would they tell the people to sit down? They just kept coming back to Jesus. He kept giving them bread, and they kept taking it, and they kept putting it down in front of people, and the people kept eating. It was a miracle, which the followers, the disciples, got to take part in helping other people. The disciples of God get to serve In God's miracles and provision you know what that sounds like to me that sounds like a church that sounds like a church am I right a church that affects the community that loves people where people get saved and good things happen you guys always we always come together like this on Sundays we always come together what's God have for me today what's God gonna do today that's not to stay in this building That's not for here, guys. That's for out there. That's for out here on the street. That's for your homes. Blessing your families. That's God's will to bless your families. Miracles can happen there. That's where God's work really happens. He does, but we come here to take part in it. We come here and we get a little bit of God's word. What is it, God? What do you want to say to me today? And then we go take it to the crowds that are interested in Jesus. If they're not interested in Jesus, they won't even show up. Don't sweat it. But if they are, we get to take part in what God is doing. But first, we got to go to Jesus who does the miracle. You guys follow what I'm saying? That's what I want our church to be like. That's what we're supposed to be like a tribe. We come together, we love each other. We're different people from different nations. We're all different, just like the apostles. Some of us come from poor circumstances, we're fishermen. I mean, Barry, like, literally is a fisherman. <laughs> He's also a lobsterman. But you need to teach me that, by the way. Okay. We all come from different modes of life, but God wants to give us something and have us participate in his will. But we've got to get his word first. And when he starts doing the miracle, we'll take place. Does that make sense, everybody? Here's another thing I want to just briefly mention. Always be weary of a minister who takes credit for the miracles that God does or service. It's always God that does the miracle, and it's always God that inspires us to do service. I'm going to say that again, just as a quick warning. Beware of people who take credit for God, as far as leadership goes. You, you go around someone and are like, I'm a miracle worker, red flags come up. Oh, God, you know, has me. Blah, blah, blah. The disciples didn't do the miracle. The miracle came from Jesus. Everything we do, whether service or miracle, should be coming from God and should glorify God. Amen? So we go back and we say, that's Jesus. When the disciples brought those baskets to the people and they're like, where'd you get this bread? What did they say? I baked this bread myself. Thank you. <laughs> well, they said it in an Italian way. I baked this bread of myself can do this. I'm Italian. Brick this bread. No. They said Jesus did this. He did this miracle. It was This little kid helped. The disciples helped. That's a side point. By serving Jesus, we get to take part in the will of God, even in miracles, even in what God's doing in other people's lives, even if it doesn't make sense. Last story I'm going to give, and then I'm going to have a time of Worship again. Dan, would you mind turning out these lights by me? Or are you just all of them? I don't care. Just turn out some lights. Thanks. You ready, refs? Off, off, off. Thanks. It's a miracle. No, I was joking. The disciples helped in the miracle. Uh, we got another pastor up in Berkeley. I'm sure he won't mind me talking about this. His name is Dennis. Have you guys met Dennis? He's a giant dude. Yeah. Dennis, um, when he was younger, he got saved, and God started speaking to him. God wanted him to do some things, and he didn't know what to do. But he felt God was calling him to serve, just probably like these disciples. You know what he did? He went up to the pastor, and he said, Pastor... Was it Alan? No, it wasn't Alan. It was some other dude. He said, Pastor, I feel like God wants me to do something or serve in the church. You know what that pastor told him to do? Go clean the windows. (laughs) He probably didn't say it like that. But he said, go clean the windows. And you know what he did? He did that. He went and cleaned the windows of the church fast forward i don't know some years you know he became a pastor and he helped restore a bunch of dying churches and did a lot of good stuff and was a part of god's work in hard areas where there's just not a lot of believers who planted church in berkeley that's hard to do but he knew he was serving jesus He felt a call to serve. Just like the disciples listened and obeyed, he did so. And God did a miracle in his life because he was an unscrupulous man. He wasn't somebody that you would think would be a great leader. But God made him into one, which is its own little miracle. And he's seen God do a lot of great things. But it started because he was obedient. Does that make sense to you guys? So basically, what I want to say, and this is the final point in this sermon, is this. Do you guys want to see God do some good stuff he he's gonna happen he's already working it out it said that in, it even says it's directly in Ephesians it says that God predestined us to do good works in Jesus so the good works are waiting for us our job right now is to be obedient to the Word of God get the Word of God be obedient to it and then guess what's gonna happen Jesus is gonna do miracles he's gonna provide for people he's gonna do beautiful things He's going to help people out, and he will even use you. Dirty, old, stinky you. And then people are going to be like, hey, you really helped me with that. And then you can be like, you can thank Jesus for that. Dodge that. You can thank Jesus for that, because I would not have helped you before. I probably would have stole from you, or whatever you would have used to do. would have gossiped about you behind your back. I would have hated your guts, but instead, because I follow Jesus, I'm just doing what he called me to do. Amen? Here's what I want us to do. I want us all to stand up. Today is Pentecost Sunday. 2,000 years ago, when Pentecost originally hit, when the Holy Spirit dropped, the disciples would always pray for boldness, and they stood in the face of persecution and hatred, and really crazy circumstances for 300 years for 300 years generation after generation of Christians were slaughtered and murdered in Rome it was illegal to be a Christian in Rome for 300 years and the Holy Spirit's power pushed them through they became servants they did awesome things and powerful things it's written about you wanna know one of the cool things they did? Back in the Roman days, the Romans, the pagan Romans would have a baby they couldn't afford or they didn't want to take care of and they'd leave that baby out on the street. And the Christians would scoop that baby up and take care of that baby. Love that baby. That person would become their adopted child. That was Christians that did that. And don't you know how evil the world is? They started spreading rumors that Christians were eating babies because they saw them taking the babies and they didn't know what communion was so it freaked them out but God did beautiful and awesome things in the early church and they would always pray for the Holy Spirit to give them power and boldness so it's Pentecost, what I want to pray is this I want us all to analyze our hearts, here's what I want you guys to to bring before God, God, how do you want me to serve you? like the disciples, there might be a crazy circumstance in your life Something nuts going on. You might not know how to get your head around it. You might not be, it might not even seem possible to fix. It might not be possible to fix in your power. But say, all right, what do you say about this, Jesus? How do you want me to serve you in doing this? How do you want me to serve you? And let God speak to you. We're going to sing this song. While we sing it, let that permeate your heart.